Welcome to this week's episode of Beyond the Box with your host and CEO of Babelbox, Sherry Langberg. Sherry interviews the world's biggest brands, agencies, and influencers to uncover their influencer marketing secrets to success. Go behind the scenes and learn how you can make influencer marketing part of your social media playbook. Subscribe to Beyond the Box at podcast.babelbox.com. Listen to all of your favorite episodes and follow us on Instagram for more influencer marketing inspiration. Today's guest, Brock McLaughlin, hails from Toronto, Canada. In his spare time, Brock is a social media influencer, but for full time, he's a digital marketing manager at Spinmaster, one of the leading toy manufacturers. So excited to have you on our show, Brock. Thank you. Thanks. I'm excited to be here. You pronounced my last name perfectly, and that's very rare. How, I mean, I guess it's because I'm not no longer living in Canada and I live in the U.S. I don't know. Why? How do most people pronounce it? Usually it's like McLaughlin or like they just like butcher it every time. No, I just I, usually say like Sarah McLaughlin, but spelt the right way. Right, right. That's what I figured. <laughs> that's so no relation. Both from Canada? Yeah, no. Uh, yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. what I thought. Okay. So before we get into the corporate conversation, you just, you know, you must tell everyone about Brockstar Gaming because I had no clue. <laughs> sure. Um, for, wow, I guess five years now, I've ran a, a, a gaming blog just to keep me busy and kind of a side hobby where I could talk about my love of games. Uh, and then that, that kind of blew up and I have a few writers. It's, it's, not as busy as it used to be, uh, only because I'm much more busy in my actual nine to five job um, to actually work on it. But it, it's definitely had some fun and I still like writing um, from time to time. So when a game really strikes me, I love to jump on it and give my thoughts. Uh, but it, it had a podcast at one point. Uh, I, and then it led into a job hosting for Xbox videos, which I think was a big highlight of my life uh, and really fun. So I got to go all over North America and shoot videos with them that were all very fun and uh, very cool, very unique experiences that not many people would uh, get. That's awesome. And now you're in the toy world, which is even more fun. So what lured you into social media? Uh, I've been on it a long time. Uh, like like most people, I've, I'm fascinated by it. It definitely, some days I love it, some days I can't stand it. It really depends on what's going on. It's ever evolving and it's, and which makes it ever challenging. And I, I love that about it. Not any day is the same. And there's always something new to learn and something new to jump on. So can you tell me a little bit about your role? Because I know you have a lot of things that you do at Spin Master or a lot of brands that fall under your umbrella. Tell me a little bit more about that. Yeah, for sure. So at Spin Master, I, I encompass a ton of brands, including DC. So the Batman movie next year, which is like, whew, is a very exciting opportunity for me. I've got to see a lot of back uh, behind the scenes stuff from Batman and I'm very excited for it. I, I work on a, a brand called Bakugan, which is a show on Cartoon Network. It, it's turning into, it's just a, it's just a massive, massive franchise entertainment property. It, it had, it's had a resurgence in the last two years, and that's been really fun to work on. I get to I get to handle things like Fugglers, which are these funny, ugly monsters, a, a whole slew of board games for Marvel. Uh, so I get to do DC and Marvel, so I don't have to pick sides. Uh, that's awesome. Which is really cool. The only <laughs> thing I'm missing here is Star Wars, really. It's my only other love. Um, 
and and now some of our brands are branching into video games so i'm working on video games in my nine to five uh we just had reggie from nintendo join us so i get to i get to meet with him and that's uh, like a dream come true and it's very inspiring uh, yeah it, it's just really exciting and and our brands kind of change but I, i'm really on our legacy brands and brands that we'll have for uh the near near future um and they're all really fun and i grew up with spin master toys so it's really it's really fun to work on them now 20 25 years later it's funny that you bring up is it bakugan my son bakugan is yeah my son's obsessed i think i told you that at toy fair so i could see all the kids are now playing with it and like three years ago i never heard about it right it's uh well it was it, it broke out I want to say, I, I hope I'm right, I think nine years ago, and it was this global phenomenon. Uh, it, was, it was mentioned in the, the hit movie 21 Jump Street and like The Simpsons, um, and then the popularity died down, and we brought it back, we rebooted it, and uh, yeah, it's doing great now. I, I know I could tell you about my son's bedroom. It's all over the place. <laughs> so you clearly have a love of your job because I understand Fuggler, which I've never heard of before, but you seem to have a tattoo of this character on yourself. <laughs> yeah, I do. I, I used to host. We we had the we bought the brand um, last <laughs> year. We've now put the brand on hiatus, but that doesn't mean I don't love them. Uh, my apartment is literally just covered in them. I have like demo ones and broken ones and all kinds of ones people have never seen and like celebrity versions that didn't work out. I love Fuggers. I thought they were hilarious. And it was kind of my first adult brand. It was really the first adult brand for the company. I worked with like Post Malone and Lizzo and we were trying to get a deal with Ariana Grande, but there was no money there for her, um, unfortunately. But now I have an Ariana Grande Fuggler. And I just <laughs> learned so much from it. And I built this I, I met some wonderful people in the community working on that brand. Uh, so I ended up getting a tattoo of um, a Fuggler on my arm because I thought it was funny and I liked the designs of them. I thought our design team knocked it out of the park. So yeah, I'm like super happy with my decision. <laughs> Even though most people at work think I'm just kind of crazy. You're going to get a Zozo zombie one next. Uh, maybe. Maybe if Zozo <laughs> takes off. Zozo, <laughs> for those that don't know, Zozo's a, a new product, a new entertainment property we just launched. Uh, wow, I'm forgetting where we launched it. Where you launched it on YouTube and on Crunchyroll. And it's very, very weird. If you remember Happy Tree Friends from, wow, like 15 years ago, it's very similar to that. It's very cute, too. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I, I really like it. Uh, I'm really hoping it takes off. The toys, like the toys we have lined up for it, uh, if they hit market, are so, so funny and so cool and unique. Um, so I really hope people get to see those. So that brings up an interesting point. So the last time I saw or met you for the first time in person was at Toy Fair, which was February, I'm going to say 27th, and right before everything really got closed down. And so how has your marketing shifted um, since that time, given the health crisis? I've never been more busy in my life. I don't think it's been crazy. We've really been focused on creating content for people at home and upping our influencer videos, upping our, you know, places you can find our product and then just having fun for like, for, for the, you know, for the first time. I think, I guess not first time, but finding ways to really just do different things and experiment more. And I, I see that with a lot of brands is people are just taking more chances right now and giving things, people, to, people things to do. 
uh, like we're doing and just simple things like coloring pages and crossword puzzles and image searches and stuff just any kind of content um we can provide like three weeks ago i like learned to do paw patrol or worked on a paw patrol yoga video so I found a yoga teacher and we put together some Paw Patrol inspired moves for kids. And it's not about selling product. And we're finding that a lot of our, anything that's really salesy is just does not do well right now. People have lost their job. People don't want to spend money. So now more than ever, but we want to stay top of mind and give things people to do with brands they love as like, here you go. Here's a free thing. You supported us. We'll help you. So here's some things to do. The Paw Patrol yoga was funny. We did art classes. So we got animators from our shows to teach kids how to draw characters from things like Abby Hatchers and Hatchimals and Zozo, which was really fun. And just kind of showing and just doing fun things like that, which is something new and uh, it worked really well. And I hope we adapt and do that for the future. Yeah, it's interesting. I feel like you keep saying, and we see the shift too, but it's like now's the time not to be aspirational or salesy, but more like comforting, educational and kind of entertaining in a, in a friendly way. How do you see like the children and the parents interacting with your brands? Has that shifted? They're taking a lot more uh, user-generating content. That's for sure. Board games has been huge for us. Uh, mm -hmm. Bakugan was doing really well, but board games has been extremely, extremely good, and, and which is really cool. I love playing board games. Unfortunately, it's just... Uh, myself and my girlfriend in quarantine, so we can only play so many games, and we've like exhausted all the games we can play. Board games with two people is a little, I, even if they're made for two players, I always find it a little difficult unless it's like a straight card game. But families are really um, coming together to play games, which is cool. Get them off the screen, get them doing something else that's not digital, and just playing an actual board game or building a puzzle. Um, we have a vast puzzle line with Cardinal and. Uh, it's it's people are just building puzzles like crazy. I I know Heinz. I I love what Heinz did. And Heinz did um, almost like an unbeatable puzzle, and it was like this five hundred piece, just red ketchup looking puzzle <laughs> with no like no lines or anything. It looks it, it looks so hard, and I kind of want to do it because what else am I going to do on my Friday nights now? Yeah, I've seen a lot of uh, very complex puzzles and it's not even the kids doing it. It's like my sister-in-law's doing it, my friends <laughs> are doing it. So I so, sent my mom a bunch and she is not, she is not having a good time with them. She hates them. <laughs> yeah, we've done a bunch in our house, but it's the same thing. It's like, okay, now what's next? But yeah, it's- What it's, are the ones that are really popular? I think they're like, um, they're like the two-tone color ones. They're like really beautiful to look at, but putting them together just looks so painful. Impossible. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we did one with popsicles and macarons and they were both a thousand pieces. So it was pretty challenging. Oh, wow. That's a lot of puzzle pieces. Yeah. For an eight year old. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So getting onto the topic of influencers now or in the past or the future, how, what are some of the most impactful ways that you have or are or will leverage influencers? I am very hands off with the influencers. I give them ideas. I, I talk to them. We talk everything through either with them directly or through their agents, but they know their channels best. And I work with very top line influencers and celebrities um, and let them really do what they, they know what they're good at. Like when we do videos, when we, 
when we put too much of our like brand into it, like let's do this, let's hit these key messages, like we build a commercial or anything, the videos just don't perform as well as they would if we just go, okay, here's our product, here's a sense of what we're doing, take it and run with it. We see just mad, a- absolutely mad views and mad success. Um, like Ninja Kids are just our absolute favorites to work with, but they generate millions and millions of hits for us. They did a Batman video for me a month ago. It's now at 15 million views. And, and that was great for getting kids excited. And they did this whole thing where they dressed like they had a guy, they hired a guy to look like Batman. And they went on an adventure with them using our toys. And it was really cool. And they dressed like the figures and they went above and beyond. And then we did another thing with Kevin Smith. And Kevin Smith is, I've looked up to since I was a little kid and wanted to be a filmmaker. Kevin Smith made clerks and mall rats and dogma. Mm-hmm. Um, and he used he used to write Batman comics, so I was like, oh, we got to get Kevin Smith some uh, Batman uh, toys, and we had scoped him out to just do like a few posts um, and some pictures on his Instagram, and and you know it was that's what we thought we could get out of him, and he loved what we sent him, so he did a, a free video for us doing an unboxing. And he got his buddy Jay from Jay and Sal Bob to come in and open a bunch of toys. And they did that for like an hour on Twitch, which was an extra added bonus. And then instead of just taking photos, he did a commercial for us in the style of like an 80s, 80s commercial you would have seen for like the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. It was absolutely hilarious. It was bananas and not what I'd expect. And it's just something I've never, I, there's not many places I don't think I get away with doing something like that. So that was really fun for me. I think that answers your question. I kind of just rambled. No, but yeah. but you got to send me those links because we could put the, them in the context of the, um, the transcript for this podcast. For sure. I, I'd love to. I, I love people to see them. I'm really proud of that work. It's, it's fun. And when I talk to agents now, it sounds like a lot of, a lot of brands have cut their influencer spends for the year, which I get. Um, it's very, I mean, money's obviously tight everywhere. Uh, and we re- you really have to reapproach your marketing efforts. We're, we're still going pretty gung-ho with it, which thank- thankfully I, keeps me busy. But I'm, I'm, I'm interested to see for the future in the fall. I mean, kids are still eating up uh, watching YouTube as much as humanly possible, it seems. Numbers have died down a little in the last few weeks. We're seeing a bit de- uh, small decline every week um, in YouTube views. Probably because the sun's coming out and kids are getting outside more and places are loosening up. But I mean, YouTube is still king for content and people are, uh, people are always hungry to watch more. Yeah, it's interesting what, you know, who's kind of freezing up influencers and who's putting more mm-hmm. toward it. I think it's, it's different in different industries, um, certainly mm-hmm. re- retail for sure, you know, across the board. It's just so, it's, cha- it's different for every kind of company. It's really going to depend if you have a D2C store, if people can find yourself online, if you're only in, in brick and mortar or you're sold out, it's going to be very tough for you to do anything unless you're just okay with brand recognition. And some brands are not, they can't afford just brand recognition. They also need to sell, right? Yeah, no, for sure. There's been some good campaigns and I'm really glad a lot of the, hi, we're a brand and we stand with you kind of campaigns have all died out already. Like that's good. Those are gone. Uh, It's more fun and uh, people are just having a little, little more fun with it. And we're seeing really cool things come out of it. Like the Parks and Rec episode they did over Zoom was really cool. And the Office cast got back together. People have been asking for that forever. And just all these like live reads with, celebrities doing weird things house party has become this phenomenon app jackbox has taken over as well and they've done 
amazing celebrity series every Friday night, which were really fun to watch. There's just so much cool content out there. It's now very overwhelming. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's interesting also what like the TV shows are doing as well. You know, like all of a sudden there's all these different ways in which the TV stations are like coming up with different programming. So I was, <laughs> I, I don't know if you watched the blacklist. I I've stopped long ago, but their season finale, they had to animate. Oh my God. But okay. they only had, I think it was like five weeks to animate it. And it does not, um, it, it doesn't look good. It looks <laughs> It's worth seeking out. Okay. Only because I feel bad for the animators that had to be stuck in that situation, but it, it, I, I don't know if it was worth it to do. I feel like they should have just ended where they ended and held off till next fall when they could actually film that episode. I don't know what's going to happen with all the fall TV shows. It's crazy. Uh, yeah, we're not going to get very much fall TV, I don't think. We're going to see a lot of old properties brought back and just kind of recycled. Yeah. Or like they did like a Gary Marshall special, which I actually love because that's my era. And it was just like clips and footage. So I think you're going to see a lot of that, like mm -hmm. kind of like specials with formatting. So when you talk about Bakugan, it makes me think about like all these influencers, but there's also like niches of influencers, not the Twitch people, but for some of the, aren't, do you ever work with like collectors or other types of like rare categories of influencers? Yeah, I have, for Bakugan, I have two types of um influencers uh, i have our kids and then i have what we call our baku masters and they're an older crowd they are mm -hmm. the collectors um some of them grew up with the brand so they're now it is their second time around um they're huge hobbyists uh they play the they play the tournament they're not so much in the toys they just like playing the card game they're a whole other subset and then batman has been trying to find this right balance of hitting up kid hitting up dad but also hitting up the collectors and thankfully our figures are, are really nice and the collectors are picking them up which is um which is really cool to see and, and and you know we always have collectibles are so big in the kid space but you always have i i think for all the brands i've ever worked on from even things like flush force that was only around for a little while collectors always kind of took notice of them and picked them up um, yeah which is cool and it's funny, you, I don't feel like you have to really spend that much time pushing to collectors because they, they're like ahead of the curve. Like they go to the store and they, they pick up the product themselves. Yeah, they're the ones who want it. So yeah. it's just interesting that a lot of brands don't think that way. You know, they're just like, oh, let's go for the kids or for the parents. But it's like, what are the different nuances and niches behind where you can kind of make an impact? Yeah, and I love rewarding, like, and we're in a lucky opportunity where I can reward a lot of um, our, our collectors and just our, our big fans, too. Uh, you know, you don't have to have, you could have 50 people on Instagram, but if you're an avid fan of said brand, I, I love sending them stuff. Uh, my favorite's with Paw Patrol. We send uh, letters to kids from oh. where you're like, oh, we just met, we just met your dad here in Adventure Bay. He's <laughs> such a great guy. Do your dishes or something. And then we have like autographs from all the pups and they're all the paw prints on the paper, which is really cool. Just fun little gift to send out. That's awesome. So I have another question. We get this all the time. So is this going to make us go viral? And I guess I want to, <laughs> you know, I mean, I've been doing influencer marketing for 10 years and it's still the question, if we do this, will we go viral? What, what do you think of that? Like, is that realistic KPI for an influencer marketing campaign? No, <laughs> no, no, it's not. I, every meeting someone says, oh, we'll make this go viral. And if we're ever with an agency and they're like, oh, this will definitely go viral. I go, no, it won't. You don't know it will. You, you just can't predict 
the viral nature of said video. Yes, if I was getting the office cast back together, yeah, I could, I could guess that's going to go viral. Um, that's because it's a huge built-in audience. But it's so, so rare that you would, you would know that it's going to go viral. And I, I don't think you can plan it. I don't think you should plan for that. Just make good stuff. And I think there's some brands in that kind of, in a category that seek out to make things that might go viral, like Wendy's and Burger King are big examples. Mm -hmm. They have a lot of those campaigns, but they also have so much money and they shoot so many of them out that, you know, they're, they're, I, I would say a sports reference here if I knew sports better, but I guess it's their batting average. Like they hit, they, they make so many, so many attempts that one of them is going to be a home run every once in a while. They do a lot of quirky stuff with each other too. A so it's lot cool. of quirky stuff. Yeah. And they pay like so much to get that everywhere too. Like they're paying it to go viral essentially. Like it's not just being organically placed on YouTube with no, like they let Ad Age know, they let Marketing Weekly know, like they let everyone know um, that that's out there. Yeah, no, for sure. So the other thing that we want to talk about is, you know, everyone's now categorizing. There's nanos, there's micros, there's macros, there's megas. <laughs> do, do you even know the difference between all of them? How do you categorize them? And which is your favorite segment to work with? Yeah, I mean, I give presentations on social a lot. So <laughs> these words are always coming up. I mean, I, I work usually with the megas or the macros. It's tough. I think it really depends on your product. I definitely encourage most brands that have low spend to go for your nanos and micros. Everyone wants the people with the most followers and the most engagement, but it doesn't always make sense for the brand and people forget that. They see they want the bigger numbers mm -hmm. versus, you know, the the numbers that'll actually mean something. Like it's great that 10 million people saw your brand. Did anyone care? No. If you work with someone that doesn't really have a lot of brand deals, they only have 10 to 50,000 followers. So yes, they're a micro. Um, it, it might be just the right audience you need. Do you ever build up a social page that just has like one goal in mind? Like it's only miniature painting and that's all you do. You're going to see your numbers rise really quickly. And it's only people in that community. And that's who I would want to target. Someone who just deals with, miniature painting if i was a paint company i'd be like here you go i know that out of the forty-nine thousand followers you have forty-eight thousand of them like your like like painting and that's perfect that's exactly where you need to be and they're so much cheaper than going with someone in the mega like when you're looking at over a million million followers you're probably looking at like a six-figure deal depending on what it is yeah and i always also tell brands i mean look again if you have that big budget sure but with the micros and the nanos, it's not just the reach, it's that you get multiple pieces of content. Like you can oh, have yeah. and different messaging and all that. Oh yeah, they'll give they'll go above and beyond for you and give you so much more because usually at the end of the day, they actually really like the product. I find with macro or you know, anyone that's getting paid, they then it starts to diminish if they actually care about said brand. Mm -hmm. I, I, and I, their audience are very there just to see them. And, and I don't know if they really care about the advertising all that much. It's always a big question. Yeah, definitely. Well, this has been so fun. Um, I definitely think I want to switch jobs and have work, <laughs> move, move back to Canada and work at Spin Master. But I'm going to 
end with my final question, which is, uh, sure. I always ask, name an influencer you love to follow but hate to admit that you do. Oh, my God. That is a good question. Wow. Uh, <laughs> who do I hate? It could be not hate, but like, you're right. like you know. Like my guilty pleasure. Yeah. Uh, does Justin Bieber count? Can I say Justin Bieber? Of course. Of <laughs> course. I love it. I'm such a sucker for celebrity culture, even though I don't like it. And I don't like most of them I find so fake and cringy, but I'm so into that drama. I'm like, oh, what, 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 what did you do? Who, who's beeping who? <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> I, I will, I will just want to add for brands that want to get into that influencer space. I think now is just the absolute best time. Influencers are looking for brand deals like crazy right now because so much of their spending has been cut. Um, so if you have that money, they will probably be down to work with you for a much reduced rate than they ever would have been before. Great shout out. Yeah, that's a great <laughs> point. Well, thank you so much. Love this conversation and, um, you know, hope to see you soon um, in person. Thank you. Yeah, hopefully. I hope in 2020. Yeah, I hope so too. Thanks so much, Brock. <laughs> thank you. Bye. Take care. Thanks for tuning in to this week's Beyond the Box, produced by Tough Monkey Entertainment. Beyond the Box is brought to you by Babblebox with your host, Sherry Langbert. Visit podcast.babblebox.com for more episodes and influencer marketing secrets.